Hi, and welcome back to The Botanical Creative. You are joined by me, Bonnie Marie, and Noelle Jane. She is not making it to this week's episode because um, we're back in a lockdown here in Melbourne and we've decided she needs to get a microphone so that we don't have um, some, you know, weird audio going on so so that's where we are at and in the last episode we talked about how um the next episode would be on some exciting changes um some exciting breeding in the industry and all this type of stuff but i've decided to put it on a hold because it's something that i'd love to have that open conversation with ellie jane and I'm really excited to share all that news with you all really, really soon. But for today, we're going to talk about how to grow vegetables because spring is around the corner and the cherry blossoms are coming into flower. There's bulbs coming up and into flower. So it's really starting to come into that time of year where the change is happening within the seasons. And one of my most fond memories as a child um, growing up in the suburbs of Melbourne was having my own little veggie garden where I got to grow my produce. I remember growing corn and beans and I really really loved it and I still to this day absolutely love growing things that I've never grown before and a few years ago actually, uh, two years ago, I decided to grow coloured corn and it was hugely successful in my garden. I grew about 60 plants and I featured them on uh, Channel 9 when I had a gardening story at my place and I shared my corn and it was so cool to unravel the cobs and not know what color you're going to get. So I got reds, I got oranges, I got rainbow corn, I got mini blue popcorn, which makes the best popcorn that is slightly a whitey blue color. Pretty cool, I think anyway. But let's sort of dumb it down a little bit because it can become quite overwhelming when you're growing produce for the first time, in particular seedlings and veggies and things like that, and knowing where to begin. And it doesn't have to be difficult. And I think breaking it down into sort of sections is one of the best ways to sort of get a really good understanding of it. And there are pretty much little jet, which is my bunny, heads up. Sorry, I'm intervening this conversation. He is chewing. He's chewing a magazine. Hold up. Hold, hold, hold. Alright, I managed to stop him from destroying books. It was a bit of a panic there, but hey, he's a bunny. He's going to do bunny things. And it sounds like he's going for something else. I don't know where he's gone. But anyway, let's get back to actual gardening. (laughs) So there are pretty much five, um, I guess you could say, rules to go by that will help lead you in a sort of... Or will help... I guess guarantee you're gonna have more success in the garden when you're growing these type of plants and the first rule is the position so sunshine pretty much all vegetables require all day sun to grow in and they will more often than not produce way better as well Um, whereas if you put a plant in a morning sun position that gets maybe four to five hours sunlight You might get one or two fruit off your plant, but you will really notice a difference in the flavor of that fruit as well. Um, It might not be as sweet. It might not ripen as true to that variety. 
Um, so having the right position is super important and obviously researching those plants to know what position they require. Um, but pretty much your chilies, your capsicums, your eggplants, your tomatoes, especially your tomatoes, really need that hot spot. And you might be asking yourself, why? Well, with most edible plants, they, if they're put in that hot sunny spot, the sun actually promotes better sugar levels within the fruit. And this is what really enhances those flavors that we get when we pick that tomato off that plant and really get that to experience that home home flavor of growing our own produce is completely different to buying in a store a lot of the time um, when you go in a store the flavors are a lot more watery and not not rich and true to that fruit at all rule number two foundations i have this saying and it might be corny you can let me know i don't mind (laughs) is a house can't be built on poor foundations because it just won't withstand the elements it won't it won't keep it won't stay strong essentially and a plant is pretty much the same as a as a house it needs a solid foundation to grow in this can really be easy to forget um especially if you're starting out because you just want to put something in the ground and just dig the hole pop it in and just water and just watch it grow but that's not really where it starts you do definitely need to start off with your position but just as important as your position in the garden is that foundation so the soil if you've got say a sandy soil that's really lacking nutrients and um, that organic activity in it the likelihood of you getting a really good crop um, or or, yeah produce out of your plants probably won't be as high so to amend that soil plenty of compost really well aged compost usually anything you buy in a bag and it's got those red ticks on the bag you're completely fine that's usually really good to go um, to go adding animal manures cow um, sometimes sheep's pretty good poultry manures as well can be really really good and um, actually using mushroom compost is good as well but be careful not to overuse your mushroom because it is quite acidic but it's great for things like your blueberries having a really good foundation is so so important when growing any plant not just produce any plant and if you're fixing something that's say a pre-existing um, raised garden bed um, that the tires um, the tire the soils become a little bit tired chuck a few bags of compost in it won't hurt if anything it'll just help and just turning that soil over so using a, a shovel or a, a garden fork and just really getting into that soil and turning it over and making sure it's nice and friable and if you're not too sure what friable is it means pretty much nice loose fluffy soil that's easy to work through rule number three is feeding and over the years i've experimented with different techniques to feed my vegetables one of the most effective ways was to use sort of like a i guess you could say a two-in-one ratio so this could be an all-purpose liquid fertilizer that i'd use fortnightly throughout the say the peak or the really the I guess more so the start of the growing season which if you're doing your sort of spring and summer crops let's say from mid to late September and you'd be using that for a good maybe three months every sort of two weeks and then going into slow release fertilizer on like once a month or once every sort of eight weeks so mixing up the fertilizers every few every few weeks or every few months 
That way your plants are getting bits and pieces of everything that they need. And there are three main nutrients that plants require to grow, um, which is the famous NPK in horticulture. So the N is the nitrogen, and this is one of the most important nutrients for plants, as it's a very large component of the chlorophyll. So chlorophyll allows plants to use sunlight and transform, transform that into energy, into sugars from water and carbon dioxide. So that's how plants eat and feed, so to speak. And the plants will use that nitrogen for proteins, and which they rely on quite heavily to you know, thrive in our gardens. Nitrogen is a component of um, amino acids, which is the main building block pretty much for those proteins. And the nitrogen is usually used in um, fertilizers to promote um, like fresh foliage or nice healthy foliage growth. And this is sort of responsible also for um, sort of greening up your plants as well. So if you've got something that has a nitrogen deficiency, adding something that's got a higher um, N ratio in its, in its blend will help counteract that pretty quick. For P is the phosphorus, and this helps a plant convert nutrients into sort of usable resources, which it can then use to grow. Um, it also encourages plants to you know, produce new roots, form flowers, which is hugely important for produce, because that will also develop um, not only healthy fruit, but it will help lead to the development of really good quality seed as well. And then for the K, it is potassium, lucky last. And it can have many different purposes to um, assist a plant in its life. But I guess the most important reason is it allows the opening and the closing of the stomata, which is found in the plant's foliage. So you can think of them as like pores in your skin. They open and close. And this is how they, well, this is how plants photosynthesize and absorb CO2. So it's really important that they have, you know, good amounts of potassium. So they've got a healthy stomata going on, or, you know, it's keeping that, that energy going for the plants. But it can also be used as a, a way to help plants pr um, promote really, really strong uh, branch growth and trunks and just really good framework. So having those three key elements in your fertilizers is hugely beneficial and will be hugely, um, well, I guess you could say not only beneficial, but it will help ensure those plants are having the best start to their quite if you think about annual um, vegetables to their short short journey in um, I guess their plant cycle their plant lifetime in terms of plants that are more perennial base doing this sort of feeding every year to every few years is super super important initially um, and then as plants get older and more established in the garden you can sort of back that feeding off because they should be able to sustain themselves much better but with veggies they're growing from seed into a seedling into a plant and then they get into their more mature phase which they start producing fruit and then they start winding that up and they produce seed and then they die so and they're doing a lot of that within a six to eight month time frame which is a really quick period of time and it's an enormous amount of energy for those plants so making sure that they've got those sort of three key elements and they're getting plenty of feed along with that in good intervals um, throughout the growing season is really, really beneficial to them. Rule number four is watering. We all know that plants require water to survive, but consistent watering in edible plants is really, 
really fundamental <laughs> especially if you want nice plump little tomatoes um it's it's so important and you know if if you're in an area that has high wind really dry summers at the same time you may need to water twice a day um and it's not so much holding your your hose over your plant or your giving the plants a little bit of water for 10 seconds it needs to be a good five minutes per plant usually or if you've got a drip line system you need to run it for at least a minimum of an hour to maybe two hours in the peak of summer and that might be twice a day as well depending on your soil if you've got mulch i'd say definitely mulch i love using sugarcane mulch because it lasts a little bit longer um, than pea straw because pea straw is quite fine, but the sugar cane is a little bit bigger and it tends to um, last me personally around about four to five months. And then as it breaks down, I can turn it into the soil and it will feed any sort of excess nitrogen back into that, so that earth. And then that way I can top it up and put more on. Um, and I've always found it's worked really well, especially when growing uh, um, yeah, produce plants in the veggie patch. But watering is huge and I think if you if you want a successful harvest then you've got to have a bit of a dedication or a dedicated uh, watering routine to ensure that will happen as well rule five is watchful eyes and what i mean by this is checking on your plants maybe once a week doing um doing the rounds so to speak get out there have a look at the underside and the top side of the leaves down on on the soil surface for pests because spring especially september going into october is peak pest season it's just like they know that you've put this yummy little veggie in and they can sniff that juicy leaf and they're like i'm gonna come and get that i don't care that you just planted it i'm gonna chew it down to the ground and you you know who the biggest culprits are in my garden is snails god they're i find them really cute so I feel a bit sad when I try and throw them at the fence. <laughs> but at the same time, I hate them. Um, so using coffee grounds, um, if you're a coffee drinker at home and you ground your own coffee beans, the, um, do you call it a putt? When you take your coffee grounds out and you bang it into that little, a little contraption or that holder, um, use your grounded up coffee beans and sprinkle them around the garden because not only do snails not like the texture of it and it gives them a little bit of um, a bit of a hard time when they try and crawl over it well the coffee grounds are actually a bit high in nitrogen so they actually can act as a fertilizer in your garden but just make sure you don't dump it all around one plant try and do it more as if you're throwing a bit of a chicken feed out or flour out so that way you're not causing a fertilizer dump um, but using coffee beans um, some people say eggshells work quite well I've personally not really used that technique one that I have used is copper um, putting copper strips around and as the snails sort of shimmy their way over it it burns them and causes them a bit of pain so they tend to go the other way so that's another really good way otherwise there are um, I guess you could say baits which I'm not as keen on because I've got chickens and I've got a lot of indigenous or native birds around me and I just don't want them to have the risk of getting that in their system even though there's a few I guess you could say uh, brands that say that they are pretty safe it's just something that I choose not to use in my garden but other things that you might be seeing is the classic caterpillar 
squish them if you're comfortable squishing them. Otherwise, um, there's a bunch of good uh, pesticides that are organic, which I am a huge fan of eco neem and eco um, pest oil. Um, pyrotherm is another good one um, to treat a number of different pests. But also, whitefly and aphids will be coming out and hanging about um, at this time of, or yeah, coming up to um, September, you'll see them becoming quite active in the gun, especially as uh, roses start putting out their fresh new growth. If you see them on your roses, it's highly likely they are on your veggies as well. So yeah, having watchful eyes, just being conscious to have a look around, or if you're planting something else in the garden, just try and have a look around, see if you can see any pest damage. That way you can sort of keep on top of it. But they're pretty much the five basic rules to growing veggies in the garden. And they're something that I do every single time I'm growing something there. You know, I'm always thinking about the position I'm going to be putting them in. I'm making sure the soil's nice and being amended if I've used it for a little while and it needs a bit of a top up of compost. I'm making sure I'm mixing up my fertilizers so the plants don't get, you know, the classic toddler too bored with their food so they stop wanting to use certain things. So mixing it up really, really helps. <laughs> And make sure my watering is on point so that I get nice juicy tomatoes. And then, yeah, keeping an eye out for any pests that are hanging around. So if you're doing those five things, you can't go wrong. And you know what? Sometimes you just get a bad season and things just won't grow for you. But it doesn't mean that they won't ever. So don't ever give up on a crop that you might have tried in the past. And you're really, really determined to try and grow it yourself. Give it another crack. Try it in a different spot or mix up the way you're doing it. And you never know, you might find that, you know, that sweet spot that they're going to grow really, really well. So they're my basic tips. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've probably rambled a little bit. And fingers crossed, guys. I hope you're crossing your fingers with me. I hope, I really hope Pally Jane can be on next week's episode um, because it's been a little bit hard with this lockdown um, and the one pretty much a week ago as well to get together and actually get some conversations happening so get those fingers crossed maybe cross the toes as well because you never know <laughs> and um i hope you have an amazing week and i hope you get outside enjoy the garden if not look up some garden inspiration start planning what you're going to do in spring and i will catch you next time and until then yeah have a great week <laughs>